may be seated. First, there was a moment of obedience. Uh, we read about a man named Joseph a couple weeks ago and how Joseph had to make a decision. He could, he could let life continue the way that it had been going. Um, he, he could uh, um, kind of not obey God. Uh, that's really what it come down to. Um, but probably very little consequence if that were to happen. It was probably okay to just do what he wanted there. And he chose to obey God in that moment. Last week we looked at, at Mary in a moment of surrender. Um, she had a lot to surrender. She was in a tough position. Um, not going to go through all that again, but you probably know about Mary's story, Jesus' mom. And today we're going to look at a moment of boldness through, um, by looking at the shepherds. Now the shepherds don't seem like you know, big characters in the Christmas story. Um, we just read about them and mentioned them a couple times, but uh, they're shepherds. You know? now they're actually a really big part of it. But as we continue on uh, through the Christmas season, I was thinking about Christmas traditions, and um, one of the traditions that um, I didn't, um, I, I married into it, I've got to hear for the last 16 years, the Christmas story, and it's in Luke chapter 2, and I've heard it before, but every year before we open presents, um, my, um, my, my uh, in-laws, they read the Christmas story, and first it was Grandpa Bill would read it, and and now uh, uh, Papa Mike, I don't really call him Papa Mike usually, but sometimes the grandkids <laughs> do. He's my father-in-law, so. But anyway, uh, we, re we read the Christmas story um, every year. And it is, it's perfect for this time. It really is. If someone said, I, didn't, I don't know the Christmas story, or you'll have to explain it to me, just read Luke chapter 2. Um, it really does give, it's, it's PG, it's, I mean, it's, it's just good. Not all the stories that you read in the Bible, you're like, well, I have to explain what this word means to a kid, and, you know, we don't always want to do that. This is a pretty easy one. Um, anyway, in Luke chapter 2, uh, all the people are asked to return to their city, um, or wherever, of their lineage, and so like we just read there, Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, because they're in the line of David, uh, for the census. And while they're there, Jesus is born, just as the scriptures uh, had said long ago. And it's really a nice little story, but there's so much more going on. I mean, there's, uh, we're going to dive into it a little bit more today, like we've done the last couple weeks, but really look at the shepherds and what this meant for them. Because I think we probably could relate to the shepherds more than we could relate to Mary and Joseph. I mean, really, you, you'll, you'll see why here in a minute. So let's start Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, this, I mean, they're working. This is the, you know, the story. The angels appear, and it's amazing. But to them, they were terrified. I mean, this cute story, but there's a lot of fear here. Why were they afraid? Has anyone ever worked night shift? You, yeah, you worked in the middle of the night. Could you imagine if you were doing whatever job you were doing in the middle of the night and all of a sudden angels appear? I'm, I'm, think, I'm probably going to think, okay, um, this one's coming to get me. It's, it's uh, time for me to go, you know. I mean, they, they were terrified. The second reason they were terrified is because they were shepherds. Now, again, um, when I think of a shepherd, I think of uh, David, uh, who became a king. Shepherds are, are the, that's nice. I mean, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd. I mean, we, sh we, use, we use that word kind of nice in the church. It wasn't nice then. It wasn't something that you wanted to be. Now, they were doing their normal jobs, but people would not look at the shepherds as 
These are the ones that, that God would speak to and deliver this good message. But he did. But I'll explain more. We'll, we'll look into that more in a second. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This world-changing, history-altering moment, 400 years after um, God had spoken last. I mean, 400 years of silence. The last time God had spoken through the prophet Malachi, the prophet said that God would turn the hearts of the father back to the children and the children back to the father, and then there was silence and nothing. And now God's ready to speak again to the people, and, and this angel, God's messenger, he didn't announce the birth to, of the Savior of the king to, uh, to the governor or to the king or anyone of power or status. Instead, he went to the shepherds who were working at night. And the first century shepherds were despised. I mean, they were not looked at in a good, in a good light. What we, what we know um, during this time of history is that they had little or no respect um, and, uh, and they weren't trusted. That's really the big thing. They weren't trusted. So I tried to, I found some things, some reasons, uh, or not reasons, some ways that that was shown and it impacted their daily lives. The first is they were not allowed to testify in court. If a shepherd saw a crime, if a shepherd saw a murder and they said, hey, this person did it, I saw it, they would just dismiss, dismiss their testimony, throw it out. They were not trusted there. Um, they, they rarely sold property um, because if you were going to buy something from a shepherd, you would think well, this was stolen or... Um, um, or there's something wrong with it. You know, they're shady. I don't, I don't like those people. They were ceremonially unclean, which means that they weren't allowed to go into the temple to worship. And so, hey, you know, we're going to celebrate. Um, probably weren't going to celebrate Christmas at that point because it just happened here. But let's just say today we were going to invite a shepherd, one of your friends who's a shepherd. Uh, I want you to come to church. And they, nope, we're, we don't let them in. We don't let those people come in. That's what it was like for them then. I mean, they were social outcasts. They were at the bottom of the barrel. The tax collectors, which were considered traitors, um, they were with, grouped in with them, with prostitutes, with dung sweepers. I don't know if I found that. I don't know if it's true, but, you know, they didn't have the same sewage system, so someone had to clean the, you know, stuff out of the town. And they were right in that same group, all right? In spite of all this, maybe because of all this, God sent an angel to them to these people to declare the greatest news in the history of the world a savior has been born to you and this is who he uses it's funny how the christmas story played out mary was a pregnant teenage virgin joseph was a carpenter who didn't have much and now the shepherds were the people who the angel went to with the birth announcement it didn't really make a lot of sense i mean think they weren't trusted so we're going to give the most important news in the history of the world to the people who aren't trusted that doesn't make sense Think about how the Bible was put together. When you, when you uh, look after the 400 years of silence and then Matthew, the first gospel, um, uh, he starts off with a genealogy. And, uh, and, and what does he do? He includes women. Now, <laughs> I don't, don't, women don't hate me, but at the same time, back then, the shepherds weren't trusted and, and they weren't credible witnesses. Neither were women. They, they, they weren't reliable sources. It made no sense for God to work through women in that situation, but he still did. And in the genealogy that's recorded, Matthew included, uh, well, he didn't include Sarah. 
you didn't include Rebecca, you didn't include Rachel, these heroes of the faith, or they're, you know, the spouses of, of these heroes of the faith, it maybe made a little more sense to include them, but instead he included Tamar, who dressed in disguise to seduce her father-in-law, Rahab, a prostitute, Ruth, a Moabite, a people group born of incest, and uh, Bathsheba, who committed adultery with David. That's who, that's who's included. God's been, God's been using people in the darkness and bringing people out of darkness since the beginning of time. We know there's a lot of darkness in the world around us, and we know there's a lot of darkness in our hearts. Doesn't, uh, that doesn't eliminate you from being used by God. Jesus came from a family, family line full of darkness. The news was delivered in this, this unexpected, lowly area. And this and the shepherds being used, it, it brings us to a big truth here. That your past does not determine your future. And your past does not determine your usefulness to God. It doesn't eliminate you. It doesn't disqualify you. There's no person that is ever disqualified for service. And I know it feels like it sometimes. It feels like, well, I couldn't do this because I did this. And, and I'm, I'm out. God's not going to use me because of, of the decisions I made. And I'm just going to have to carry that. No, you, you, you might carry some of it. But God's forgiven you. And he's willing to use you. And, he, and this, is, this is proof here. Another place, look in the Old Testament, it happened throughout the whole Bible. And then in the New Testament, the, the biggest news, Jesus coming into the world. This isn't just a little moment. This is the biggest moment in history leading up to the resurrection, of course. But even at the resurrection, who were the first witnesses? Women. No one's, no one's left out. In a world full of darkness, Christmas is a time when we remember that the solution to darkness has already been offered. And it was in this news here, in this story, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. A Savior has been born to you. N.T. Wright wrote, Christmas is not about the living God coming to tell us everything's all right. John's gospel isn't about Jesus speaking the truth and everyone saying, of course, why didn't we realize that before? It is about God shining his clear, bright torch into the darkness of our world, our lives, our hearts, our imaginations, and the darkness not comprehending it. It's about God, God as a little child speaking words of truth and nobody knowing what he's talking about. See, the, the good news, it's, it's, darkness isn't just about the darkness that we see on the news or social media or we hear about. It's about the darkness in our hearts, and Jesus changes all of that. We can't fix everything around us, but we can, be, we can be fixed in a way that we can be redeemed. We can be made whole. We can be made perfect and pure, not because of anything we do, but when God looks at us, that's what he sees when we accept Jesus' offer of, of new life. He offers forgiveness to the sinner. He offers love to the lonely. He offers hope to the broken, and he offers eternity to all. See, he lived in the, the darkest areas, choosing to spend time with the people who were most rejected, I don't know if we do or not. I'm going to guess that we don't. There's always people I don't want to be seen with them, or I don't know if I should go there because what if these people see me there and what will they think? I think that's just it's human nature, but it's not God's nature. That's not who he is. Jesus spent so much of his life assuring us that the joy is actually for everyone and not just some. He didn't say everyone will be saved. He said everyone can be saved. Uh, he didn't say everyone will, will go to heaven. He said everyone can go to heaven. For the light to matter, though, the darkness has to be real. And so here's, here's what the message said. In the middle of the, of the night, to the shepherds, here's what was said. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. 
you will, be fi- you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This, this glory, this light, that's, a lot of times that's, that's used interchangeably. It's, hey, Jesus is here now. Uh, God's glory is, is here now. And this is going to, to offer peace to the world. And so that's nice and all. It's a good message. Um, it's good news, especially for the outcast shepherds. I mean, really think about who they were, and the news came to them. And so what do you do with this information if you're a shepherd? Well, I'm going to finish the story, and you're going to hear. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Imagine the faces of the people uh, who are there when, when the shepherds show up. I mean, imagine they, the shepherds walk in. What are you thinking? You know, h- how do you think they felt? Have you ever felt that way where you show up and you're not sure that you're wanted? Uh, I, maybe it's at, you know, a workplace. If I go into that office, they don't really want me in here. I'm not welcome. Or, or someone's home. You just kind of feel like, well, they're just, uh, they're putting up with me here, but they don't really want me here. Or the church that might happen. Now, I will tell you, I've, I've, I have felt that way before. Uh, when I first started going to church, and I didn't really, you know, know a lot of the people, or, or I hadn't been there, you know, so when you walk in, you're like, well, what if I sit there, and they, and I take someone's seat, you know, well, they're, are they going to make me get up, or, or those people looked at me, are they curious why I'm here, or are they wondering, you know, should he be here, you know, are they judging me, and they're probably not, most people, I think, in the church, we're just curious, someone comes in, and everyone looks to that person, because we're trying to figure, who is that, I know that person, and she's related to this person, and, you know, some, some people go up, and they talk to you, and they say, hey, welcome to the church, and introduce themselves, and other people, they, uh, they just go over and say, who is that person over there, you, you know, um, that's just what happens, but I think sometimes, when we come in, because of our insecurities, we think, man, I don't know if they want me here, I am not guessing, I am 100% sure that the shepherds had to have felt that way. Maybe I'm a little guessing because I don't know their hearts, but you can't put yourself in that situation. Someone who's, who's so despised and people do not like you and they don't trust you and all of a sudden you show up, you show up for the, the, this birth here, Mary's probably like, get these people out of here, you know, who wants, when you're having a baby, I don't know, I, I don't know if uh, you want people around or not, I assume not, you know, unless they're helping. But as they come into this place where Jesus is, they share this message that they had received from the angels. This is the Savior. This is Christ the Lord. And in that one statement, it was the good news for everyone. And people heard it. They were amazed. But the shepherds had made a big decision to go. That would not have been easy. No one told them they had to go. Think about it. Your whole life, you're not even allowed to go into church. Everyone hates you. You're not allowed to do anything. And you're a shepherd, and all of a sudden, God gives you this news through the angel. I mean, maybe I'm thinking, I want to keep this to myself. I don't want it. They get all the good stuff. I finally get something. I bet they were pretty excited that God came to them, that the angel spoke to them. 
But what'd they do? They went and they wanted to figure out, you know, is this for real? And so they went. And we do the same. We want details when we hear stories. We call people. We try to find out what's going on. But look what the shepherds did. Um, because we can do the same thing with the good news that we've received. The first thing they did, they, they did some exploring on their own. They went there. Now, we can't maybe go to certain places, but we can read our Bibles. You don't need to read the Bible to try to say, I can, I've memorized this and this and this, but read it so that you know what God's done for you. Read it so you hear these stories and not just the stories of, of you know, the kings and, and uh, um, you know, the, the religious leaders, but the stories of, wow, I'm brought into it as well. I mean, everyone is. That's what, that's what they did. They explored. We can do that too. The second thing they did, they spread the word. Uh, when someone becomes a Christian, they share the gospel more in the, six, more in the first six months than they do for like the next eight years. I don't know. I read that study a long time ago. Most people, when they first hear about Jesus, they tell other people. And then the longer we're in church, we start to hang out with the church people more. We don't, ha- we don't talk to other people. We don't share the good news anymore. That's not how it's supposed to be. But we can share it right away. So if you just are hearing this message, go tell someone. It's okay. That's what they did. They just found out. And then they went and they told people. But the third thing they did, they continued to live life the way they had, but differently. To be a, a, a faithful follower of Jesus, you don't have to quit your job and go um, be a missionary or, or work at a church. You, that, you just don't have to. They didn't. It says, verse 20, the shepherds returned. They returned to what they were doing. They returned to shepherding. But the difference is, it says, they were glorifying and praising God for the, all, all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They told everyone. They went to their homes. They went to their workplace. They went to the people around them, anyone who would listen, and they shared the good news. That's living boldly. And we can do that, too. It took courage. Um, we know the good news. We know about Jesus. I think most of us do. If you don't, please come and ask me. But we don't always share it. We, uh, you know, they were despised and hated and shunned. We just don't want people to look at us as the obnoxious, annoying Christian, that person who just won't mind their own business. I don't want to hear about it. They didn't care. They shared it. Because what else can you do when you have news that good? We all have insecurities that keep us from doing it. I get it. Being bold is hard. These guys did it. They said, the Messiah, the one you've been praying for, he's here, and you have to know. The virgin who was prophesied about 700 years prior gave birth to Jesus, and he came, and it's good news for everyone. He's the Savior. And and their message was easy and simple and clear, that God reached down so you could be lifted up, that God took our sins so that we could take his righteousness, that he was born into poverty. Then we know Jesus' story here. He was born into poverty so that we could experience eternal riches. And he didn't announce the message to royalty, but to shepherds, the outcast in the field, so the world would know that no one's too far gone, no one's too far low for God's love, because he chooses the unlikely to do the extraordinary. He often chooses people like us who don't feel educated enough and and who don't feel holy enough and we don't feel worthy enough. I can't tell the good news of Jesus because it's too good and I shouldn't be the one sharing it because people will look at me and think, well, if that's what it's about, like you, I, you know, if, if, it's gonna, if they're going to act like you or talk like you do, then, then why share that news? No, that's, that's what God's been doing ever since. He's been using people like us because we're all the same in his eyes. So what will we do with the good news? There was a, a famous violinist, Fritz Chrysler. I hope I'm saying that right. 
And he earned a, a lot of money at concerts and compositions, but he gave it all away. He was very generous. Um, but one, at one point, he, he found this violin that he really wanted, and he went to buy it, and he didn't have enough money. So he went away, and he made some money, and he came back, but it had already been sold to a collector. And so Chrysler made his way to the new, uh, the new owner's home, and he offered to buy the violin. And the collector said it had become a prized possession, and he, he just wasn't going to sell it. And so Chrysler said, well, could I just play it one time before, it, before it's consigned to silence? Permission was granted, and the, the great playing filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were steep, deeply stirred. I have no right to keep that to myself, he, he said. It's yours. Take it to the world and let people hear it. Like Chrysler, we take the music, which is the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was raised to new life, and that if we would accept that, we, we too would be raised to new life when we leave this world. That was the good news. We are, we are supposed to share that as well. And you have an opportunity, a really big opportunity, and I'm, I share this right now, this week, because of next week, because the Christmas services are the number one chance to bring people to church. Uh, someone who's far from God, someone who doesn't attend a church, I'm not saying they're the same people, but they could be, they're more likely to accept an invitation next week than any week the entire year, including Easter Sunday. And so we have the three services next week. I'm not going to go into all the details of them, but we've got the nine and the four and the five. Um, just come to one and, and don't come alone. Bring someone to sit, sit next to you. I think this is a, a big opportunity for all of us. I want to end with one of my favorite stories. Um, I know I shared this once before a few years ago, um, but not everyone was here, so maybe you get to hear it twice. Could, has anybody watched their favorite movie more than once or read their favorite book more than once? Okay, then I can share my favorite story more than once. But it, it's John Orberg. Um, it's a book called God is Closer Than You Think, and he says this, Father Damien was a priest who became famous for his willingness to serve lepers. He moved to a village on an island in Hawaii that had been quarantined to serve as a leper colony. For 16 years, he lived in their midst. He learned to speak their language. He bandaged their wounds, embraced the bodies no one else would touch, preached to the hearts that would otherwise have been left alone. He organized schools, bands, and choirs. He built homes so that the lepers, lepers could have shelter. He built 2,000 coffins by hand so that when they died, they could be buried with dignity. Slowly, it was said, this island became a place to live rather than a place to die, for Father Damien offered hope. Father Damien was not careful about keeping his distance. He did nothing to separate himself from his people. He dipped his fingers in the same bowls as the patients. He shared his pipe. He did not always wash his hands after bandaging open sores. He got close. For this, the people loved him. Then one day, he stood up and he began his sermon with two words. We lepers. Now he wasn't just helping them. Now he was one of them. From this day forward, he wasn't just on their island. He was in their skin. First he had chosen to live as they lived. Now he would die as they died. Now they were in it together. One day God came, came to earth and began his message. We lepers. Now he wasn't just helping us. Now he was one of us. Now he was on our, in our skin. Now we were in it together. It started with Jesus coming to us, and it continues when we accept his gift, his, his offer of salvation and new life. And I love this moment series. 
going through the Christmas story and looking at these people that were involved because we can see how God has used so many people, ordinary people, normal people just like us, and has used him over and over again to bring others to Jesus. That's our, that's our goal as well. And so my hope for you this morning and from this series and from this, this story is, is two things, and it's what happened to the shepherds I want to happen to all of us. And it's two things. First, that we feel loved, that we feel accepted, that we feel brought into the story, that we feel brought in under God's grace and his love that's poured out for all of us. You have to feel that first. Honestly, if you don't feel it, you're not going to do the next part because the next part is that we would share it with someone else. If you don't feel loved, if you feel like you're still working at being a a good Christian so that you can be saved, that's not grace and you're not going to get there and neither am I. But if you can understand and accept that this is a gift for you because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, if you can feel that, then you're you're probably going to want to share it with others. So that's my hope for all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for doing exactly what needed to be done. Uh, You gave your son on the cross. Uh, You raised him to new life so we could see your love and power. And so I pray that as we move throughout our day and our week that, that we would share that with those around us. Um, I pray that we would first accept it and, and know that, that it's not who we are, it's not what we've done, it's who you are and what you've done for us. Uh, so please give us that and let us carry the good news um, and be bold, just like the shepherds. We thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray, amen. Something that I really love about Luke's gospel um, that Casey just preached from is that Luke is really concerned that this message of God coming to and speaking to and loving those who seem unlovable is told. Um, And you can tell this through Luke's work because if you keep reading time and time again, Luke um, brings in stories about outsiders, people who are um, outcasted by... um, just different situations, people who aren't Israelites, people who weren't part of God's people um, time and time again. And part of this may come from that Luke may have also not been a Jew himself, and he's even writing to a Greek audience. Um, but he, he's so concerned about this. He's so concerned that um, people outside of what was typically considered the fold knows that Jesus came Um, as a baby, to be born a man, to die on the cross um, for all of these people um, who who were unexpectedly um, given this gift to. And this morning while Casey was preaching during the 8 o'clock service, I was thinking about this and just thinking about um, how, how is this, how can this be concisely said, though I've said it and I'll say it again, Um, but Jesus himself says this after he's called um, one of his disciples, one of his 12, um, after he's called one who is a tax collector, so he's a Jew, but not well loved by his people as he extorts them for their money for um, the Romans, Um, and the Pharisees get upset with Jesus and and are like, why do you eat and you drink with these tax collectors and these sinners? Um, all these gross and dirty people that we don't want around, why, why would you eat with them? And Jesus' answer is, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, and 
I'm just so thankful that Luke was so concerned about that because we today are outsiders. We aren't, well, I don't know all of you, but maybe maybe some of you have Jewish um, heritage, but I would, I would guess that most of us don't. Most of us fall outside of the fold. Maybe we weren't even born in the church and we've come with all of our sin in our baggage, or we were born in the church and we still come with all of our sin in our baggage and we feel gross and dirty and all of this stuff, but Jesus says, no, 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 I came for those who are sick, for those who are sinners, for those who know that they need repentance and don't lean on their own righteousness. In this Christmas season, we get really excited about Jesus born as a baby, but we cannot forget that Jesus born as a baby allowed him to be a man to come and die on the cross. And at communion, that's what we're remembering, that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed for even us, for us as sinners. So this morning, I want to invite you up to the table to take of the bread and the juice. And this is the time where you remember, as Casey said, that you are loved, the same as the shepherds were, the same as um, all the people that you read about in the Gospels who Jesus touched, he loves you the same. And this is his offering and his reminder to you that even your sin would not keep him from dying for you. But then as you walk away from the table, be challenged to be bold. You take that love with you now. You take this story, this good news with you. And you are offered a challenge to bring someone with you next week to share this good news that you have received just the same as the shepherds have. So come to the table, be filled with the love of Jesus, and then go. Let's pray. Jesus, this season is yours. All seasons are, but we specifically come to think about who you are, why you chose to be born as a baby. We sing these words, but often we don't say them, Jesus. We adore you. We come to adore you. Um, so as we come to the table, that's what we bring. We, we adore you as a baby born in pureness and light, but we also adore you as a man hung on a cross to die and descend into darkness that we might know the light forever. Fill us with your love. And send us out to be your love, to spread your love to those who are still waiting to hear the good news. We thank you for the shepherds and their excitement. Because, because of them, we know this word today, too. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.